When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pirates Podcast to be named later. We are streaming live on YouTube and Facebook, and I am here with my favorite Pittsburgh Pirates beat writer, as always, the one and only, the magnanimous Alex J. Stump. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you once again for announcing that this is going live, so I'm not blind. <laughs> I just I just figured I'd add it in every morning or uh, every every episode now, uh, just in case you're not paying attention, so uh, we don't have nah. any no surprises. We don't need any on air apologies. <laughs> no, no, we've had enough of those in the baseball world. Yeah. Yeah, it's that was quite yeah. Yeah. I ain't diving into that one. Anyway. Neither am I. Neither am I. Uh, I've already had one audio scandal under my belt. I don't need a second. <laughs> That's a throwback. That's a throwback. <laughs> Alex, uh we had a conversation about how sustainable the Pirates winning was uh last week and it turns out not as sustainable as I thought. Now, I'm not going to back off of that. I still think it is sustainable for a long season, but they're hitting a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, Five-game losing streak. In the last four games, they've been outscored 19-4. to, four, 19 to four. Um, What do you see going on? What, what, do, you, what do you see happening uh, with this team right now? I know they're having a hard time hitting the ball. The pitching has definitely taken a step backwards. Uh, despite, got to throw it as a little sidebar. Shout out to Colin Holderman on the Immaculate Inning. Nine pitches, three strikeouts. That's awesome. I don't care you win or lose. That's a really cool personal achievement. Shout out to Colin for that one. But what are you seeing with the baseball team right now? What is there, you know, is it intangible? Is it tangible? Uh, fielding hasn't been great. I mean, just all around, it just hasn't been good baseball over the last week or so. No, and it's really been mistakes they have made. Yeah. A lot of this has been unforced errors, like not catching a pop-up in the trop. Castro uh, boots the ball. That leads to a three-run inning for Mitch Keller. Miguel Andujar stops running after a fly ball, and it drops in for a double, and that results in a couple more runs. Uh, even on Friday, G1 Bay going for third base, trying to steal that with nobody out. You don't make the first or third out at third base. And you're not going to be able to catch Matt Chapman sleeping. So it's one of those, there are a lot of mental mistakes. I don't know if they're forcing stuff right now, if they tried to overshoot the Rays series, but that was a pretty frustrating series because they should have won two of those games. I'll just say it. They should have won. The, I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. Like, and it could have been any of the two. If they feel confidently, Mitch Keller is matching uh, Shane McClanahan, who probably is the best pitcher in the American League, you know, pitch for pitch for six, seven innings. Mm-hmm. The game one, if I mean, we're talking about a ball call, but there are a couple times, oh, for nine with runners in scoring position. If they just get a couple hits there, they probably win that game. 
they come really close in the finale, even with, again, a couple mental mistakes in there and, you know, umpiring, but they probably should have won too. And whenever you get swept, it hits a point where it's like, this is the first real skid for this team. Mm -hmm. And this team has been challenged a couple times already this year. They got challenged whenever they lost O'Neill Cruz. They got challenged whenever they started the year on a little bit of a rocky foot. I mean, they got challenged coming in that, you know, they have a 100 loss season in their rear view mirror. Like that still hangs on a little bit. They don't have really that much, you know, they face so much adversity already. And this is the first time it's really been in the form of losses. And we've seen last year, the last couple of years, this would turn into eight, nine game losing streaks. And they're halfway there right now. Can they stop that? How quickly can they turn the corner? Because mm-hmm. if it's not soon, this is the type of thing that could really negate that really good start. Yeah. And then you, you talk about adversity. Another thing that just, you know, they, they have to deal with now is now Vince Velasquez is going to be a uh, 15 day DL with uh, elbow uh, inflammation, yeah. correct? Or soreness. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very a good arm. Weeks, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's start off with that. Vince has been absolutely what the yeah. parts hoped he could be. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. Yeah, for the first month of the season, he was Reclamation Project 3.0. He was Tyler Anderson. He was Jose Quintana. He was mm-hmm. doing exactly what they were doing, had a great month. And now we've got to see how much time's going to be missed here. Because if this is a matter of a couple weeks, they could weather this storm without right. having to go too far. They only need a fifth starter one day between now and like the 24th because, you know, there's just that many off days built into the schedule. Right. You can work around that. But after that, <laughs> they don't have a whole lot to go by go to other than Luis Ortiz, who I can't imagine is really on the table until the end of the month, really, because then he gets the – they lose a year of control if he's up before the end of the month. If, if we remove that for a second, not to interrupt you, but if we remove that for a second, is he ready? Do you think yeah. that he's ready for the majors? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think he could continue to develop in AAA, but I think he's in a situation that if they said, Louise, you got to come up to the major leagues, he'd be ready. I mean, we saw him last year. Yeah. Was he, he had a couple, he had a clunker in there, but for the most part, he showed pitcher, that he was yeah. fearless. He could attack hitters. He did the things that you would want to see from a young pitcher making their major league debut. There's obviously more development there. I, I, I think that development continue, can continue in AAA. Maybe in some cases it should continue in AAA. But they're in a situation that they don't have a whole lot to go to right now. They could go to Luis Ortiz. Uh, Quinn Priester had a really good start his last time out. It was really bad most of the year before yeah. that. I mean, it, it's a month. It's a month. I mm. get it. But it's still one of those, you can't call up the guy whenever he has a 70 RA. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so, and then after that, what do you have depth wise? We're going to Osvaldo Beto and Caleb Smith at this point, like losing Mike Burroughs, losing JT Brubaker. There's not a whole lot of depth here. I kind of look at someone like Rich Hill, not to slight him or anything. He's only pitched 140 innings twice in his major league career. He's not going to give you, a, you know, 30 something starts. There's got to yeah. be something that goes along there. So it, it comes back to the adversity here, thing. And that's another challenge that this team's going to be facing. And that's why it's even more important, in my opinion, to try to 
stop this sooner rather than later so you can convince this team at the trade deadline, we're still in it. Go get us a starting pitcher. What's exciting for me about this, though, Alex, is exactly what you just said. Stop it. You know, it's time to stop it. Which one of these pitchers is going to step up and throw that, you know, six or seven inning game where, you know, not that they would look unhittable, but, you know, a really solid quality start from one of these starting pitchers. I want to see which one of these guys is going to be. I want to see which one of these guys steps up and makes it happen and stops the the skid. They ha- someone has to do it, right? I mean, some yeah. uh, like you said, it has to happen. We we can't see one of these uh, eight or nine lo- game losing streaks like we did last year. Not to not to repeat you, but yeah, you're right. It it has to happen. Um, I would say it's already happened. It was Mitch Keller and his defense just betrayed him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair for sure. Um, but no, I, I do still think that this is sustainable. I, I think that you have a situation where there's a lot of young guys on this baseball team and those mistakes are going to happen. It wasn't going to go 162 uh, games this season without having you know a lapse like this. Uh, I don't think it's anything to hit a panic button yet, but we are seeing a young baseball team be a young baseball team. And now it's time for Rich Hill and Andrew McCutcheon and uh, Johan Santana and and some of these older guys on the on the baseball team. Johan Santana. And I really just say Johan Santana. Dude, back, yo- Dude, oh I love man, I love. Oh, Johan. he was one of my favorite pitchers yes. as a kid. I, yeah, no, or as a, as a teenager, no, no doubt. But I definitely just called him Johan Santana, not Carlos Santana, which. Wow. I Carlos Santana because I'm a guitarist is embedded in my brain, so I don't know how I messed that. You could tell that it's been a long week, man. That that's that's where you know it's been a long week. But uh, point being, the veterans on the baseball team have to step up. They've got to do their thing. They've got to make it, you know, make these young guys comfortable again. You know, the the thing about when they were hot is how much fun they were having. Right? We talked about that. It was a fun baseball team. It was a fun atmosphere. Uh, Going to the ballpark on a Wednesday night was was exciting. The veterans got to figure out a way to bring that back. And look, it's Andrew McCutcheon. He's going to figure that out. If there's one thing Andrew McCutcheon does really well is make the clubhouse a fun place to be. So I, I'm not uh, I'm not hitting a panic button yet. I'm not super super worried about things yet. I, I think that this is just one of those lapses in a season where you know things don't go your way, bounces don't completely go your way. Tropicana is a really hard baseball uh, stadium to play in if you're not used to it, and they're in they're an NL team going there for the first time in a while. So. You know, I, I pump the brakes on the on the uh, fire and brimstone, we'll, and we'll we'll wait and see what happens. I'm gonna close this one by uh, after the that'd be Wednesday, I guess Wednesday night. Whenever they lost game two to the Rays, I yeah. talked to Carlos Santana and I, I put in my lead like Carlos Santana was very much presenting himself. Like if anyone wants to talk to a clubhouse vet, I'm here to talk. And I did. I'm like, do you think, you, you know, this is a point of the season where, you know, maybe you have to say something after a couple losses like this? He's like, no, not yet. Not yet. Wonder where that line is, though. Like, I I, I don't blame him. I'm not. I, who am I to say this is whenever Carlos Santana has to say something like this? But yeah, I, I, I'm just interested to see if there is a line and if Carlos says something sooner rather than later. I really like him a lot. Uh, he's he oh, has like, grown on me so much this year. Dude, there he is. I, I think people. I mean, it's Pittsburgh. Of course, they're going to look at Kutch and like what he's done yeah. for that clubhouse and sure. what he made. And, and he does, and he does. 
I don't want it to take away from what Carlos Santana does for this clubhouse too, because he does everything Kutch does and, and maybe even more. Like he is absolutely the type of guy this club. He's a glue guy. He's a glue guy, yeah. man. That's that's the it, it's a stereotype and it's it's a cliche, but they're cliches for a reason because that's you need a guy like him to be on a baseball team to on a sports team to 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 win. Uh, let's take a quick break and then I, I want to get your thoughts on another part of baseball uh, that we have seen rear its ugly head this week. Back for the second segment of the Pirates podcast we named later. I'm Eddie Provident. This is Alex Stump. Alex, you were in Florida for the uh, for the Rays series. Um, I'm not a fan of Major League umpires just in general. I'm going to throw it out there. I know that just so everyone knows, my opinion is a biased opinion. Uh, what the hell happened? And what was going on? That, that was a rough series. That was a rough series. And I mean, it started with the ball call, which was, it was something. Let's just say it was something. It was either a balk because he didn't get set or the pitch clock had expired and it's a ball. And I, I, I believe it was a balk, but I get the pitch clock violation if it would have been that. And even that would have been like, okay, there was a transgression here and it was, it, it wasn't nothing. Let's just say like that. It wasn't nothing. The pirates should have been given a little something because he took too long and it cost him a run and pretty much the momentum in the game right mm-hmm. there. Because if that run comes in, it's a one run game and the tie and run is 90 feet away, completely different ball game. Uh, pitch clock, you know, goes on the fritz in game two. Shelton eventually gets tossed. I, I, I kind of, I, I said it in the 24 seven. I wonder if that was a little bit of him, uh, you know, making up for not getting tossed on in game one. And then all those called strikes, it had been 14 years, Eddie, since the last time the pirates had been struck out five times on pitches that were outside of the strike zone. 14 years. Wow. That that's a, that's a stat right there, man. Yeah. So Alex is, going into the bag is, of tricks, ladies and gentlemen, it was either, a hell of a coincidence or targeting. It can't be on any of the two. And nobody wants to, nobody flat out said targeting or, you know, payback or anything because, you know, they don't want to get fined. But that's, it was. There but was, even moving away from the Pirates, you, yeah, even moving away from the Pirates, you have the starting pitcher from the Rays talking about how he had to take his, his uh, wedding ring off. A right handed pitcher has to take a rubber ring off in order to play a baseball game. For, for you fellow singles out here, uh, for you non-married types, the wedding ring goes on the left hand. Yes, I, was, I, I would, I would wave be, my, I would uh, wave my hand, but I'm sitting at home and I took my wedding ring off, so I, I, I don't. And this is also on. a podcast. Yeah, yeah. so uh, some people are going to see that. Most people won't. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't get like, I saw somebody on Twitter. I, I can't remember who it was. Um, but basically, it was like, hey, if you came to Tampa to see the the umps, you got your money's worth this uh, this series, and it shouldn't be that way, man. Like, 
I'm not going to get into the whole hockey thing, but like hockey officiating, the NHL officiating is frustrating because they get in the way constantly by trying to not be in the way. And MLB umping, uh, umpires are more frustrating because they get in the way by wanting to be in the way. It's almost like they want to be the star of the show. The, uh, the crew chief, uh, after Shelton got tossed, you know, uh, doing the uh, I'm watching you thing to the pirate to the pirates bullpen. I mean, that that's BS, man. Like you, like what is going on when the umpires think that they're the, you know, they have this godlike uh, stature on the baseball field. They're umpires call balls and strikes, call safer out, do your job and be done with it. No one's there to see you. Uh, well, I'm going to be diplomatic here and say that that umpire, Adrian Johnson's uh, umpire crew should not be around the pirates for a while. Yeah, baseball could keep that schedule going. They should keep just keep that in mind because there's just that was a whole series building up to everything. And (sighs) Shelton had talks with the league over the pitch clock stuff. Okay, so that was brought to their attention. So there, there was a lot of there was a lot of conversations. There was a lot of talks. I yeah. I'm going to just ask the million dollar question, Eddie. Oh, you're going to ask it. Okay. I'm going to ask you the million dollar uh, question. Be- yeah, Robo umps, yay or nay for calls for balls and strikes. We're still I going can't, to have some of these. We're still going uh, to have some of the balk, the pitch clock, whatever, but listen, balls and strikes. I can't say yay loudly and more emphatically enough. I am. I'm tired of this, man. There is very few instances in, in professional sports where something as important as a ball or a strike, that call is left to human error or like human judgment, right? In most cases, it's a black and white thing where, you know, like, okay, imagine the NFL not going to replay anymore uh, if the ball is, you know, if it's close to a first down. When it's something that can can easily be seen by a, a camera could easily be seen and, and figured out. Imagine them just saying, ah, you know, we think it's a, we think it's a first down. No, no, it can't like we, like yeah. it's, and, and at the end of the day, a, an umpire calling a ball or a strike is, Hey, I think this is a strike. I think this is a ball. Now they, they train for it. They're, they're much better than I ever will be. I'm not trying to, to say that, but at the end of the day, it's their judgment. It's 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 a judgment call that they get wrong sometimes, and sometimes they get it wrong in crucial situations. Robo umps, I don't think will ever be perfect. I don't think there's ever a perfect system, but they are going to be much more unbiased and much more um, accurate than human umpires. And so, I think that makes the game better. I I'm too much of a fan of pitch framing. And and like finding these areas like this to go full robo to go full you know let's go robo umps with this so I'm still on the anti side with this I'm gonna take uh, Andrew McCutcheon's side on this though whenever okay. he asks, where's the accountability why whatever you have all these players saying you're missing the strike zone why you know why aren't you making an adjustment to actually get in the strike zone why is it up to 
the batter to adjust to the umpire rather than the umpire adjusting to what the strike zone should be. I think there should be a way to go about that, whether it's a way for them to review their scores mid-game of what they're calling, and they'd be like, well, I'm really calling that high pitch. You know, I, I messed it up something here. Whatever the case may be, there has to be some way that there can be that mid-game adjustment. There could be that review. I find a way to do that, and I'm also going to say that I said this a while ago. Uh, they have to find a way to get some of these like Angel Hernandez-type umpires out of major league games as yep. much as possible. I You can't fire them because of the union, but I don't see why they can't, you know, it's a five man umpire crew now on for, for each game. One person does replay and Angel Hernandez, you're on replay. You're just not going to be calling balls and strikes anymore. So why, I guess, unless you the, display a certain amount of competency, right? You don't do it. Well, what, what if they did something like what the NFL and NHL and even NBA does it now where you have basically that extra ref. So they would have the extra ump in a replay booth that's on a communication system. And if it's an egregious one, you know, if it's, if it's clearly it's a ball and they call to the strike or vice versa, or if it's clearly, Hey, he was out at second base and you really missed that badly. Someone that could just step in through a communication system and say, Hey, hey, hey we got that wrong. Let's, uh, let, let's just change it right, right then and there. It would take two or three seconds. You get it right, right in the moment. Need- I don't even need the change for balls and strikes. I just want it in their head of like, if you are constantly missing, like, like, uh, Gonzalez was on Thursday, you know how bad it is whenever I learn the umpires names. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's umpiring is a thankless job. I get that. And it's really just the bad ones that whose name you remember, but it's, and it's one of those things that like a way to make an adjustment. There has to be some form of accountability (laughs) outside with what Kutch said on that. It's, it's one of those things that even, even if you've played little league, you've, you don't even have to have played middle school or high school or college baseball, professional baseball. If you've played little league and you've been in the batter's box and there's inconsistent calls, it's frustrating. It's just a frustrating thing. I mean, how many I, I I am very much a proponent that you never, ever, ever yell at volunteers that are working with youth athletes. So I, I leave the youth umpires alone. But how many times do they get yelled at because people think that they're not doing their job right or because they missed a call or anything like May, I, I'm saying that because being an umpire in baseball is a very difficult thing. It's not an easy job. Calling balls and strikes isn't easy. So I, I'm not saying this as a way to like crush these guys or like say, well, these guys are terrible or they they they're trying to do this. It's a hard job. Give them the 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 tools that we have with technology now. Like you're saying, even if you want to go a smaller side, like you. Uh, Give them a way to be better and to have that backup to know that, hey, I've got a better chance of getting this right. I, I don't see why that's such a a taboo topic in baseball to use technology to make someone's life easier. Uh, Robo umps will one day come. It's the same way yeah. of like the pitch clock at the universal DH. It's, it's going to happen eventually. We're going to take a break here since Eddie's mic is absolutely horrible. We'll be right back here in a minute. 
we're back now that I've left you alone <laughs> to suffer on a live stream. Uh, Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, we're never live streaming again. This Listen, is the last one. Whenever, whenever that cuts out like that, the only way to fix it is to hit the refresh button and then hop back into yeah. the studio. So I'm sorry. StreamYard does not like my my setup, apparently. Um, what do you got for the third segment? Normally, I'm the one that puts you on the spot with the th- third segment. But since I just put you on the spot, uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to throw me under the bus. Johan Santana. <laughs> Hall of Famer or no? Yes, no. Real fast. Yes. 100% right. yes. Good call. Yes. Baseball writers got that wrong. If they wouldn't have screwed up that Bartolo Colon Cy Young, he would have had three in a row and I would have just gone postal yeah. if he didn't make it. To that. He, he uh, should have been in. Grow, growing up, my three favorite pitchers were Jason Schmidt because he started with the Pirates. Uh, Barry Zito because of the curveball. And that's the, uh, I had the 12, six, obviously not like that, but I had the 12, six curveball. That's what I tried to model my game after was Barry Zito. And then Johan Santana, because just of how, how dominant he was, um, for that stretch. And it was in the formative years of my baseball fandom. I, the pirates weren't very good at the time. So I needed something to root for and someone to root for. So it was Johan Santana and, uh, I just loved watching him take the hill, man. It was, and he's a Hall of Famer in my book, no doubt. Yeah, best pitcher I've ever seen with the Twins since I wasn't alive for you know Walter Johnson. Yeah, uh, the next, the close second for the Twins for me personally, Francisco Liriano. Different level, different level. Oh no, no doubt, no doubt. I'm just saying, like it was that, like Johan Santana was there. Then as he kind of faded. Liriano stepped up for them for a few years and then yeah yeah and then was was shaky I don't know I, I I'd probably go but, more like Radke or Carlos Silva or or someone else how how big of a degenerate can I come with the number two starters of the Minnesota Twins <laughs> you're gonna beat me ten times out of ten on that man it, <laughs> uh, well it it was fun up until the microphone cut out and then uh, I left you hanging yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the microphone goes again. Eddie is going into timeout. So we're done. <laughs> we're done. Maybe Eddie's back next week. Maybe we can hear him next week. We're going to find out. But thank you all so much for watching and listening whenever there was something to listen to this week. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Whenever, uh, wherever you find fine podcasts, we'll be there as well. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.